How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. We'll be gone. Team. I believe in this football team game. We're in position to play our best football this season. What these people don't realize is that, like, we expect to win. Look at this dude next to you, man. This guy's next to you. Look at him. This guy's next to you. This guy's behind you. These guys, that guy is counting on you to do your job. He's counting on you to do your job to the best of your ability. We need to play team football, okay? Put Michigan State first. Do everything you can, okay? Go ahead and get this done. Michigan State, what a performance here tonight. That's why I came to State, man. And the underdog, and Mel Tucker does it again, defeating a ranked team on the road. Like I said before the game, I've never been more proud of a football team. I mean, this was a special, special, special group, okay? And what you, what you, what we accomplished today, okay, was, was something that no one expected us to do but us. This is what Spartans are all about, guys. And welcome to another episode of the SD4L show. I'm here today with my co-host Matt Sheehan. What's up? From How are we doing? Locked on Spartans. You know him. Yeah. And if you don't, well, that's a shame. That's on you. No, good for you, actually. If this is your <laughs> first interaction here. Um, yeah, I'm not Brian Masalem. Yeah. This is nuts. Uh, yeah. People have been mean to him. Online is that right? Few, few days, weeks, yeah. and he's really taken not kindly to that. So, um, oh, that's why he's not here. He's written down everyone's home address. That's spoke <laughs> illy. Of I him. He's out on the hunt, out on the prowl. I can't say that out loud, but Ugh. he's just not here with I us see, right I now. See, but call me and said, "Hey, yeah. join the show while I'm running some errands." So. Yeah. Uh, but no, our guy Brian, he's uh, coaching a very important championship game for um, I think 13, 14 U, something like that. But. Whatever yeah. it may be, I'm sure that his guys will be blocking well in the trenches. And um, if not, you'll be sure to hear about that on the show next week. <laughs> 45 minutes of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Shane, how are you doing today? It's been a, as a, as a Spartan fan, I think you can uh, say that it's been a good week. We are the only school in the Big Ten in the month of November to have a road top 25 win. Mm. That's right. Just, just November games, but you know what they say. Yeah. When it gets November, that's when the games really start counting. That's right. That's when it matters. It is gut check time. And pff, the Spartans check some guts last Saturday on the road in Champaign. 17-point underdogs? Please. Yeah. Please. It was, Please. It was a game where even just a few weeks ago, before there was any sort of distractions off the field, before there was any sort of um, guys missing that yep. were key players, it already looked like a challenging game to begin with. Ryan Walters and that defense, they have been at the top of the rankings all season um in the last three or four weeks they had moved into the pole position and they were not they were not wavering whatsoever so then you add in the controversy and the adversity and you're thinking okay this is not looking good yeah and the opposite of that is what happened and now we're smiling (laughs) on this beautiful wednesday here yeah it's fantastic look illinois that is a strong team like i i yes michigan state looked incredible credit to them but like I, I can't believe it because Illinois gave up six touchdowns the entire year leading up yep. to that point. And I get it. No, they play in the Big Ten West. Oh, it's just Illinois. But yeah. you could play in the local MHSAA division. Yep. If, if you are going into November giving up just six touchdowns, okay, you, yeah. you get a pretty good defense right there. And 100%. Michigan State got it done. And look, I, there's a lot of people giving Michigan State flack. I might be one of them, you know, every yeah. once in a while. The coaching yeah. staff or, you know, decisions made, you know, sometimes we're not a fan of all of them, criticize them. But right. 
you got to give credit where credit's due, though, right. because that job by the coaching staff to get the team ready for that game, and also the leaders on the team as well, Absolutely. of course, which we'll get into in a little bit, like that was sensational work. Just back up against the wall. You need yeah. to win. You know, two out of your or three out of your last four games to make a bowl game. Yeah. Step one down. I think that's very Step well said, down. especially where where people aren't trying to give Illinois credit because they're in the West. You said it perfectly. Even if you are playing some really bad teams, the fact that you have only given up six touchdowns speaks to consistency because even against poor schedules, you can't come out and have no clunkers, and that's basically what they've done. It means you're not giving up breakdowns where you're dominating, but you give up an 80-yard touchdown here or there. So it speaks to kind of the sound way they're coached, kind of the veteran leadership. Mm -hmm. And Illinois is an older team. And then one of the most underrated running backs in the country in Chase Brown. Sensational. And on a day where um, the teams weren't really trying to throw the ball, even though Michigan State came out and ran the air raid, and Jay Johnson was like, you thought we're going to run it, but we're (laughs) going to be (laughs) 50-50. But um, Illinois, they, they had no incentive to pass. They were going to run. The weather got them to run even more. And for some reason, Michigan State did not get shredded on the ground. The defensive line, you, what do you think, Shan? They had all these guys out, and uh, look at how they played. There's, like, what, no defensive ends anywhere to be seen. <laughs> like, they're starting the game with four defensive linemen. And, like, yeah. this is another thing with, like, hey, you know, you criticize the, the defensive staff or, or what have you. Like, right. look, Scotty Hazleton has gotten a lot of I can't swear in this program, but like he's gotten a lot of it right. over the last year, even in the last year. But he yeah. he was giving he was giving some toothpicks, some chewed up gum, yeah. a piece of scotch tape, and, and a clothes hanger, and he built the Eiffel Tower out of it yeah. on Saturday. Like that injuries, suspensions, what have you. Mm-hmm. Even just like you said, going up against Chase Brown, who I right. think is you know, the best running back in the conference personally, but got it done and yeah. de- decisively so like it, it didn't even seem like a fluke when you're watching that yeah. game it was like oh my god they have really batting down the hatches and good point i think michigan said led for 40 minutes and 30 some seconds in that game yeah. um as much of a wire-to-wire win as you're probably going to get in this conference and um it's just uh, really impressive because for the first time all year you can kind of say they truly played complimentary football mm-hmm. against a power five opponent because not only did the defense play well, because we can say the defense has played well in the past. The the final yeah. eight drives against Maryland, the defense played well. The Michigan game shredded uh, yards-wise, but they gave up 14 less points than Michigan scores per game. Mm-hmm. Um uh, at Wisconsin, they gave up two touchdowns in regular season in the regular in regulation where Xavier Henderson was on the field. So the defense has played well in different points, but in all of those points, the offense didn't play well. And when the offense was playing well, the defense wasn't there. So for the first yeah. time this year, we saw complimentary football, and look at the result that you get. It was beautiful, and a lot of incredible individual performances as well from both sides of the ball. Like I thought, you know, Aaron Brule had his best game as a Spartan. Cal Halliday has a lot of really good games as a Spartan, yeah. even though he's just a sophomore. But that might have been his best. I right. mean, you don't win Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week by yeah. accident, of course. And then right. on the other side of the field too, like just the whole unit of the offensive line probably played as good as they have the entire season. Jalen Berger mm. played like a madman yeah. on Saturday. That was the best I've seen him play. He I was agree. hitting the holes explosive. He was hitting the defenders even more explosively, if yeah. that's a word. He was after it. 100 combined yards receiving, rushing, no touchdowns, which is a shame because I thought he was the MVP of the offense on yeah. Saturday. It's as good of a game as we've seen him have in a Spartan uniform. And also... Got to talk about another guy that's been criticized many a time, and that is QB1 Peyton Thorne. Look, hey, not the season that he probably has wanted so far. And definitely, I'm going to go out on a limb here and guess it's not the start to the game he wanted. Mm. First play of the game, interception, and oh, by the way, uh, it's 30-mile-an-hour win the entire afternoon. Yeah. Look at these throws that are going on the screen right here. Like, he is dropping dimes. Buckets, the, the feathery touch pass to Trey Mosley for that first touchdown. Putting it in the breadbasket of Jaden Reed for that second touchdown. I, are you kidding me on that With throw? With pressure Look at in that. his face. In an F5 tornado, he gets it done. So, yes, yeah. Aiden Thorne, obviously a guy that uh, is going to have a lot of eyeballs on him. He's right. a quarterback. That's how it works. But, who boy, got to give him the old tip of the cap right there, Justin. Absolutely. I think, um, and going back to Berger, um, he looked more explosive than he had um, pretty much in any of the last, I guess, six or seven games. Um, I know in, in week one he came out, he was looking more explosive than I ever saw him at Wisconsin. But then gotcha. kind of the rest of the season, it, it, I didn't get that impression again until last game. 
and one of the most underrated plays of the entire game um, when Peyton Thorne threw that ball on a contested fourth and I think three or four um, on the out route to the left side, mm-hmm. and he got hit immediately when the ball touched his hands and he held on. So just a great game from him. And then I also like the way that Jarek Broussard was just intentionally put in in certain spots. He didn't have a high um, amount of touches, but he was used selectively on that one screen that went 20-something yards. Yep. Um, obviously on the touchdown where he showed great bursts there. Um, also on that uh, screen that went for a lot of yards, uh, Gino Vandemark was in the game, I believe, and he was blocking downfield. That was great to see him get on the, get in the game. Um, I think he played better than Brian Green, uh, but we will need to, I guess, see more of a sample size before we can make any sweeping judgments. But someone I can kind of make um, an assessment of, Brandon Baldwin played that game in place of Jarrett Horst. Sure did. And um, the overall offensive line performance did not take a step back. Um, I don't think he had spectacular grades in any one area or the other, but in neither of the pass blocking or run blocking areas was he a weakness. And if you would ask me coming into the season that you can go ahead and put a former Juco player who's one full season into the program suddenly into the starting lineup against the number one defense in college football and he's not going to look, um, he's not going to stand out in a bad way, I would take that as a huge win. And um, just just a lot of individual performances like you are already touched on and Jaden Reed as well. Um, just uh, some solid catches in there. And um, he was kind of the guy that you were hoping that after Keon had had a few marquee games yeah. over and over again. I know he had the game against Wisconsin, but you'd like a second game here in conference play where he kind of shows out. So that was great to see. Definitely echo what you said about Cal Halliday. Um, the guy was just a menace in the run defense. Um, he was just plowing through sort of anytime there was an open gap he was there occupying it I know the plays where uh, Michigan State lost both of their defensive tackles on I think back-to-back plays um, he made a stop on third down where he came through the line Um, he got through the gap before the pulling guard got there and he just blew up the play cracked him just just a great great showing from him in run blocking I know a couple times in the open field they kind of went around him but that's not his game that's not really what you're supposed to ask him to do but with Darius Snow out unfortunately he has to and that's just uh, where we're at right now at this point of the season but I think um, all in all, it's just so many solid performances on the field. And like you mentioned um, in, earlier in the show, off the field, the leadership that got him prepared for this game. Incredible. Incredible. Awesome. Because, like, they, yeah, back squarely against the wall. Pull out any cliche that you want because all of them are true. And, like, this is something that I talked about on my show, Locked on Spartans. That's right. Uh, Go watch that. Yeah. Or yeah, it's up to you. It's a free country. <laughs> there were two roads this team could have taken in that week. And look, even everything that went on last weekend before in Ann Arbor aside, the season still had its challenges that mentally you even have to just get over that, right? You come off a Peach Bowl winning season. This season's not going the way that you want it to. Just that alone, you have enough reason to fold and kind of just be like, oh, okay, well, going on the road. It's November. Let's just ride out the rest of the season. And oh, yeah. Keep in mind everything else going on around yeah. the program, the suspensions, all the chatter, the hoopla. It would have been easy for them to fold, but right. I mean, this speaks to the veteran leadership, the coaching staff. I mean, really every single person in that program to yeah. batten down the hatches, get on the right road, the tougher road, and leave Champagne with a victory for the third straight season in the Mel Tucker era, leaving a road game as an opponent against a top 25 team, but snatching victory yeah. from them. That is big time. Really quick, one other key player that we got to point out here. <sighs> Come on now, Bryce Berenger. Let's go five punts, four inside the 20-yard line. An average of just about 50 yards. I mean, what else can you say about it? Like Every single week, you know, we hop on microphones and talk about how great this kid is. And uh, yeah. it's, I mean, whew, that's, uh, that's a leg that yeah. man has. That's yeah. a leg. And um, also, Xavier Henderson, uh, we mentioned him as well. He's a guy that um, – he's just one of those senior leaders. He came back um, his fifth year, I believe, and I had a chance to meet him at uh, Justin Spiro's uh, interview uh, that he did with him a few uh, nice. weeks ago, right before the Michigan game. And um, just, a, just a great ambassador to the program. Um, keeps his head down, works hard. I believe in, in the video um, that came out from after the Michigan game, he was one of the guys that was trying to calm things down, separate everything. Just um, every sort of turn that you kind of see him, he's kind of the guy that's doing things the right way, leading by example throughout his whole career. 
Um, I think we're, we're planning to have him on the show here too. It's some technical difficulties that we're kind of working through right now, but um, just, just a guy that, that you'll see if we got a chance to talk to him, just how he carries himself and, and why he's such a leader that speaks to his teammates. But I think, Shan, that, that kind of puts a bow in the Illinois game. Uh, I don't know if you have any more thoughts, but I think now we kind of can start to look ahead to the path forward to a bowl game. What's in the immediate future? What's there with the Rutgers? Where, where do you want to take that? It's very exciting that the bowl game's back on the table. Yeah. Look, hey, before the season, you you tell a a fan like me, uh, just a slappy like me, that hey, <laughs> six and six quick lane bowl. I'd be like, eh, okay, all right, uh, really, that's it. But now after the season starts, you know, right. you have all the injuries, everything going on this season, and then after you leave the game in Ann Arbor, if you said six and six, yeah, quick oh. lane bowls on the table, like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, sure. Oh, yeah. well, where do I sign? What organ do I have to give up for that game? So, right. yeah, it's very exciting. Uh, just as a fan, you know, someone as meaningless as I am to the yeah. program, like, I, I'm fired up. I, I can't imagine what it must feel like yeah. to be a player that this is, hey, the, the ship is somewhat righted, so to speak. Like, no, it's not going to be another New Year's Six bowl game, but right. a bowl game is a bowl game. And yeah. all the important things that come with it, program exposure, the extra practices. Yes especially for a team as young as Michigan State is. You also go back to the 2012 Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl. Okay, not necessarily a marquee bowl game. You found out a lot about your team, though, in that one bowl game. Mm -hmm. You learned about who Connor Cook was in that bowl game. So, hey, maybe it's quickly. Maybe it's the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Maybe Mm. it's the guaranteed rate bowl. Hey. A bowl game's a bowl game at this point, so um, yeah. Yeah, don't, don't arrest me for getting a little too pumped the, up about this. Those are great points, because when when I think of a bowl game, pretty much the only and the main thing that comes to my mind is the extra practices. Yeah. Like That is so big when you have a program where you're trying to build depth and you're trying to develop the young guys and have them play sooner. For guys like Malik Spencer, guys like Caleb Coley, who's, who's sure. pr- trying to get healthy and get in the mix. Um, the, the young defensive lineman that you want playing uh, defensive end here, Zion Young, if he comes back, and Alex Van Sumeren and these guys that you haven't needed so much right now because you have great D-line depth. Like, all these pieces all over the field, Jeremy Bernard, um, you want these guys to start getting extra development, and if they, they can't come in into the games because you're not leading by enough or because um, there's too much at stake right now, when you get those extra weeks of practices, that is huge for a program that's trying to build depth right now. And um, if you get to go somewhere warm, like the Duke's Mayo Bowl in Charlotte, that that's an even bigger bonus. But here it's beautiful this it's, time of year. Yeah, it's uh, right. it's just great to great to think about the fact that some of those kids, the young ones, are going to be able to develop. But that that path to a bowl game um, continues. This week, with uh, Rutgers on the schedule, Michigan State would really need to win this game in order to to stay on on track for a bowl game trajectory. Um, with this possible win, I think they would have five wins, and then you can split the last two against Indiana and Penn State and still make a bowl game. I would not count them out of winning both of those games, potentially. Uh, this year, Penn State has, has been strong despite losing to Ohio State and Michigan. And yep. um, it's only been one game since the Ohio State loss, but they came out in full force last week. Uh, I think they won 45 to 17. So um, like, like they have done in years past, like last year, where they kind of fizzled out right after losing to Ohio State, because honestly, there's not as much to play for when you're out of the Big Ten title. Bro. It's just human nature. Yeah. But um, last year, they kind of fizzled out. This year, so far, it doesn't look like they're going to. So we'll see. But um, those are two winnable games, and um, the Rutgers game obviously would need to happen and, and go the right way, and then you could be bowl eligible before you even get on the plane to State College. I know. I, I do also need to check myself, too, because I, I am talking about six wins like it's a guarantee, but it, it's not because let's all remember really quick, still a lot of injuries, still eight suspended right. players. You know, it, It's no guarantee. And also, too, you're facing the Rutgers team that is also hungry for bowl eligibility mm-hmm. as well. But with that said, um, <laughs> I, I don't I don't hate the way the schedule's going here. Right. So yeah, and and, and also Indiana. Um, I think Michigan put up uh, two or three touchdowns in the fourth quarter to to make that um, kind of separated in the in the score margin, but. I believe the first three quarters were kind of close. And when I was watching that, I didn't think at any point Michigan was going to lose the game. But um, I think Michigan was up seven early in the third quarter. So that's not a, a team that's that's very bad or, or anything where like you expect to come in there, you beat them in the first two quarters, you want to play the second half with your backups, anything of that nature. So 
Um, I think that's kind of the way that I look at at the remaining schedule. Yeah. We have Xavier Henderson on uh, the phone now here. So there he is. X, how you doing, man? Thanks for joining. Good. Can y'all hear me? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Good. Okay. My fault, man. This technology nowadays is ridiculous. Nah, you're good. You got on. Got that's it. that's all that we could ask it. for. So, um, yeah, appreciate you joining us, man. You guys have uh, have some have some big uh, wins here under your belt now, and you have some opportunities to pick up a few more this week. What's uh, the vibe been like this past week after going out there, getting a big win, and kind of getting some momentum again? Yeah, it, it's just it feels so much better Sunday, you know, and practicing Monday after a win. Um, it's just I told the guys before practice like you know this this feeling is way better than what we were feeling a week ago you know let's put the work in now this week and, and keep doing what we're doing so that we we can um, feel the same way at this time next week is there a different feeling in the building right now is there just more general optimism uh, or is it just always been business as usual for you guys yeah I think honestly it's been kind of business as usual we so you know coach tucker always talks about sticking to a process and really that's what we've been trying to do all year um and we've we've seen on film what works what doesn't work got some guys back obviously um um and we've really come a long way as a team so we knew we were building and getting better each week um so it's not like we were you know like you know the season's over this and that um, we are always optimistic about every game we played, um, but we, we were able to get a good win this past weekend and look for another one, hopefully on Saturday. Yeah, so X, you guys have had um, three straight seasons now under Mel Tucker where you have gone on the road as significant underdogs and came away with a win by a touchdown or more. How does that happen? When there's a pattern of that nature, it speaks to the process and the approach the program has. So what's the formula behind pulling that off? Yeah, I think it, it just starts with, you know, believing, honestly. You know, we don't really go to any game thinking that we're not going to win. Um, and, and then it just comes down to executing, especially on uh, away games. That was a good atmosphere in, at Illinois. Um, we had uh, some good showings. And honestly, that comes true. I think for a lot of our away games, our fans do a great job traveling. Um, and it always feels good when when they're kind of there at the end of the game and the other the other team's fans are leaving. Um, but I think it just really comes down to executing, watching that film. You know, um, every team, no nobody's perfect, so that's how you playing. There's people You know, it's our job to try to manage that. And last Saturday, obviously, very exciting game, too, especially, you know, hey, people like us watching from the outside, <laughs> but you're in the trenches. During that game, was there a moment where you felt it that, okay, this is going to be our team's day here, or was it really not like that until all the clocks hit zeros and you guys were walking off the field? Um, when, I got, when I saw the offense really running the ball well, um, and uh, I think probably when Jaden scored that last – I don't know if it was the last touchdown to get us to 23 that, on that fade ball. Mm -hmm. I was like, shoot, you know, knowing how good Illinois' defense was – um, I was like, shoot, if the offense can move the ball like this and score some points, you know, we're putting ourselves in a really good position because I felt pretty confident on defense um, about our play. So I think maybe towards the end when Jaden scored that touchdown, I'm like, we just got to do our job now um, and we can win this. We're, we're up. Um, we kind of got them where we want them. So I think it probably at that point. So X, um, coming into that game, um, a lot of, I guess, distractions were on the table. What did you, as one of the senior leaders, because the coaches kept saying this after the game, that, that the players kind of rallied the troops, and that's how they kind of knew that they were in good hands going into this game. What did you kind of um, have as your message all week before the Illinois game? With all this other stuff going around, how were you able to be a calming presence, and what, were, what was your kind of message all week? Yeah. yeah, well, I've been in positions before where the season kind of wasn't going as, a, as we wanted. Um, and, you know, the situation at U of M is a unique situation, an unfortunate situation. But, you know, we're down some guys through the injury and suspension. Um, the season's not really going how we want it. But, like, what are we going to do about it? You know, we're 
at this point. You know, we got some young dudes, but we're kind of all, most of us are grown men, and some of us are becoming grown men. You know, we got your back against the wall. What are you going to do? Um, you know, and, and when I was younger, we had dudes like Kari Willis, Kenny Willikus, um, Raekwon, Williams, Joe Bocci, you know. Those guys were just out there playing football. They didn't care what the record was. You know, they just loved to play the game. So I'm like, you know, let's let's just put it all into it. We already know we got this process that we're going to stick to. But, you know, let's just do it for each other right now. And um, I think our guys really rallied and, and were, was able to put on a good performance. You know, Justin, I'm going to let you in on a secret here. When I grow up, I want to be just like Xavier Henderson, just a <laughs> consummate pro leader on the field and off the field, cool, calm, and collected, really just the perfect guy to lead a program here. Xavier, where do you get that presence from? Where do you get the leadership from? Is there anyone in your life previously that has really molded you into the great leader that you are today? Yeah, I appreciate all those nice words. I, I appreciate well, you. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think my parents really just did a really good job raising me, honestly, is the first thing. Um, my dad, you know, they and, and the crazy thing is you can have the best parents in the world, but your kid will still kind of turn out how they will. And I think <laughs> so started with my parents and then my high school head football coach, Coach Jay Sherritt at Pickerington Central. Um, he he was the dude that he brought me up here when I was just a freshman, actually, and I wasn't being recruited. And, you know, he kind of made me molded me into a leader of my high school team. Um, and so I got up here, this and that. I watched the older dudes. Um, and then I thought I was a leader that Coach Tucker came in and um, he kind of yelled at me and, and cut into <laughs> me like no other coach has before and made me kind of challenge me to step up to be a leader. So it was a process of a lot of different people, you know, my, my parents, my, my coaches throughout my career. Um, so a lot of people attribute to that. So, Xavier, now that you've kind of been through years of seeing different things, different personalities, you yourself have matured, when you look at the younger guys coming through the program, whether it's offense, defense, who's someone that reminds you of yourself? Doesn't necessarily have to be play style. It could. You could say this safety is going to be exactly like me or just somebody from a personal, like personality standpoint. Who's someone that you kind of see a little bit of yourself in? Yeah, the crazy thing is um... – uh, Dylan Tatum, honestly. Mm. And I say that because when I was a freshman, honestly, I really kind of thought I knew it all. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I kind of know it all, like this and that. It was hard for me to take coaching. Um, and, you know, that's when Coach Tucker kind of yelled at, cut into me, this and that, and made me become <laughs> a better leader. And I see that in Dylan right now. And it's like, it's not like so much of us knock on Dylan as like the abilities all there you know what I mean he wants to be good um he can be as good as he he wants to be um but he's kind of got a stubbornness like I used to have and I'll tell him that like you know what I mean you kind of do this and that bro and I get it like you were all this and all that in high school but it's a different place now um and Dylan's matured already throughout the year um and you saw him get to get some snaps in the Wisconsin game. Um, and, you know, that young DB class, that freshman DB class is going to be really good. And it could be either underclassmen, upperclassmen, but with everything that's gone on this season, whether it be injuries or what have you, very eventful season. Is there a player that has stepped up as a leader that you didn't really see that from before this year even started? Yeah, um, I would say KB, Kendall Brooks, honestly. You know what mm. I mean? KB kind of um, he transferred over here. You know, he was looking to play. He didn't get to play too much last year. Um, and, you know, his role wasn't that big, honestly, going into the season, but it's, right. it's you know, stay ready. Um, and he's gotten better as the season went on. And I think um, so it was really me. Um, it was me and Angela at safety and Chaz started the year at nickel. Um, mm -hmm. And then I went down, and KB and Angelo played safety. And then the, the UM game, we got all of us kind of back, and we put Angelo at nickel and me at safety and KB at safety. And I thought that was kind of the best fit for everybody. So just seeing KB get to uh, step in and, you know, show what he can do and the coach is saying, you know, he, oh, he can play, you know what I mean, in these, these big-time games. Um, and and um, come, you know what I mean, not playing as much as he wanted to. 
but still doing it all for the team um, shows a lot of his character. That's great to hear. We, we always love those kind of insights because we don't have those if we're not in the locker room in practice every day. So that's really cool to hear. One final fun question for me. When you're getting ready for a game, what's going through your headphones? What, what are you listening to? Um, what's your rap top five? Just tell us what you're into music-wise. Yeah. Yeah, I always get a lot of uh, they people tell me my music taste is terrible. Mm. So I really like to listen. To, I like to listen to a lot of things, honestly. Um, my favorite rapper is Young Boy. And okay. that's usually what I play before the game. Um, I used to really like Lil Baby. I'm not the biggest Baby fan. So I would say like my top five-ish would be Young Boy. Um, <laughs> I love Rod Wave. People, okay. people hate on Rod Wave. Young Boy, Rod Wave. I like Kevin Gates. That's not the most fan favorite. Who else do I listen to? <laughs> Actually, y'all, y'all know how you can do that um, Apple Music like yeah. replay. And you can yeah. Play. So, it was like sixty hours of Young Boy, <laughs> 17, 17 hours of Future, and then y'all are gonna laugh at this. Tied with seventeen hours of Adele because her new album I really like. Oh, yeah, we like that. She had a new album that I really like. Then it was Kodak and Rod Wave. Okay. So all those people get the most plays from me. That no, that's all fair. Only only thing I I kind of don't like is you were on the right track with Lil Baby, and then yeah. how, how does that just fall off? Like my turn was yeah. album of the year. Um, yeah. Just he, man, Lil Baby. That was you should have said him number one. I would have given you a plus. I would have <laughs> said doesn't matter what anyone else says about your music taste, but I got to side yeah. with them because of that omission. But no, I feel you like Rod Wave, Rod Wave, uh, Young Boy. Like those got to be in there. Those are the essentials these days. Future and. Adele, like, Adele. I don't know if anyone's laughing at you for Adele. They just got to expand their music taste. I know even Drake says that that's one of his inspirations. Good, man. I appreciate it. What would y'all say if we got the time? I got Lil Baby Drake for sure, top two. Um, yep. I probably got Gunna in there at three. I used to have J. Cole in there, but he doesn't drop frequently enough to kind of have a spot in there. Um, growing up, Wayne used to be in my top two the whole time. I think Carter Four is one of my favorite albums ever, but also not dropping yeah. as frequently. Um, Meek Mill, I really loved up until Dreams Worth More Than Money, but haven't felt the last two albums. But I guess I'd say Lil Baby, Gunna, and Drake are like the mainstays in the top three, and they have been for years. But after that, it's kind of just, I'll give anyone a shot. I'm, I'm into Roddy Rich a little bit here and there. Polo G is probably who I'd say is fourth. Um, that's mm-hmm. that's kind of where I'm rocking with those guys. Should oh, I yeah, like yeah. should I say Mumford and Sons or should I just keep that to myself? <laughs> I don't, I, I'm not familiar. I feel, I'm not familiar. Feel like with... that should just stay inside right now. But I, no, um, Drake is back as far as I'm concerned. New oh, album was, was incredible. Major was... distribution. I have the biggest like stank face on when I'm 50, 15 out of 17 on that album. That's a good yeah. man average right there. Yeah. We take that all day. You got one more for, for X? I got one more for you, X. So I tried to get some background information, some inside baseball from Darian Harris. Hit him with a message like, hey, what is what is Xavier like? What are his hobbies? What does he like to do? Just trying to lighten the interview here. And you yeah. said, I don't know. Like, <laughs> So here's my last question for you. Hey, what do you like? What, what, what are you doing yeah. now in the football field? Grinding tape. <laughs> yeah, grinding tape and listen to a dog. Oh. That's right. Right. So I I got I have like an addictive personality I feel like so if I'm not if it's not like if I got a video game I'm like which I'm in the 2K right now I'm okay. a live player and I spent way too much money that I'm willing to admit <laughs> on it um, Modern Warfare so me and the guys back home my guys from home I was we was getting the party and they're always on yeah um so I it, so if I'm a, if I'm on a video game I'm doing that if I'm watching a TV show. I'm doing that. Um, like the new Family Guy season's out for some. I'll just get on Hulu and wait for the new Family Guys every Sunday. Um, Love other it. than that, I got a girlfriend and a, and a and a dog that I spend a lot of time with. Um, I got a little Chow Chow, and she's like my kid, so <laughs> we we spend a lot of time with her and take her out. That's awesome. Th- th- those are the perfect hobbies. Love that. I, when people get on here and they're like, "Oh, I go mountain biking and running relays and rock climbing," I'm Save just it. like, "I can't relate." But no. dudes over here buying <laughs> VC just like all of us, <laughs> hopping on there on, on Call of Duty, and it's just double XP weekends. Yeah. Call of Duty. <laughs> well, X, you very generous with your time. We really appreciate you joining us, and obviously, wish you the best, uh, best of luck this season and, and beyond. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Now you're the man, X. Thank you. What a guy. You just see kind of the the personality he has of just always calm, cool, and collected. I think 
personally, like when Mel articulates how he wants to be perceived as the even keeled guy, um, the never too high, never too low. Yeah. I think that's a reflection of how Xavier um, is a player coach in that regard as well. And I think that's how you have those moments against Illinois where backs are against the wall. And yep. you got guys like that. He really is like an 11th coach on the field. Graham Couch did a great column on NC State Journal last weekend after the Illinois game. And he got a quote from Aaron Brule. And, I'm, you know, this, is, this isn't verbatim, but Aaron Brule said, like, you can just turn around and ask, hey, X, what do you got? And what am I supposed to do? And if he doesn't know the answer, well, he's at least going to tell you what he's going to do. Right. Tell you everything that he knows just in that tight window that you have before yeah. the snap is, you know, called. But, yeah, I mean, just just all around great Spartan. You know, already yeah. making up the top of my list of, like, top-tier all-time favorites. You know, yeah. you think of, like, the Connor Cooks, the Jeremy Langford, the Kirk Cousins, like, yeah. X has got to be in that yeah. short list. And, and and you've also seen, just even when you get past the intangibles and you just look at kind of the black-and-white results, the second he's been back, it's it's been a completely different Nine defense. Day. Yeah, It's crazy. And, and yeah. people have said, like, on the message boards when I've kind of debated this, they would say, oh, well, some of the defensive progress isn't as impressive. I think everyone everyone acknowledges it's impressive, but kind of the caveat everyone adds is, well, they haven't played really a air raid type of an offense. My counter would be when they got shredded by Minnesota, did they play an air raid offense then? Thank you. No. Right. Yeah. So when you go ahead and play a Wisconsin team that – Neither neither Wisconsin or Minnesota have a great quarterback, but Braylon Allen, I'll, I'll put him up there with anybody in, in the Big Ten right now. Um, a great senior offensive line, great tackles on Wisconsin. Um, when you kind of go ahead and then you play Michigan, um, a team that has Blake Corum, a mm. great offensive line, Joe Moore winning offensive line that swapped out the center for another really good center yeah. uh, transfer from Virginia. When you have those two run-heavy teams and you have a better scoring output that you hold them to that you did against a Minnesota team that isn't that great, they're good, they're probably going to be competing for the West until the end of the year, but that still shows me progress against a formula that has previously shredded you. Sure, has the Washington uh, formula shredded you worse and more often? Yes. But that doesn't mean that just because you haven't played a team that has played that style, that all of your other progress is kind of thrown aside. Because teams like Minnesota, if they hadn't, sh- if Michigan State hadn't shown progress, other teams could have replicated that and they haven't been able to do so. I, just look at the one hit that he had against Chase Brown that jarred the ball loose. <laughs> right. like, I know it's one place, the smallest sample size possible, but like, look at that play and tell me that like, yeah. his presence doesn't matter to a yeah. game. And it's, in Michigan, the only turnover I think Michigan State caused. It was his fumble. Exactly. You know, right. just great player. Yeah. Great kid. So, yeah. yeah. Just uh, jumping back to where we were with Rutgers before um, we were able to get Xavier on the phone. Just you kind of look at this as an opportunity. Uh, like we were saying, Michigan State could be 5-5 five and five after this weekend. So kind of some of the things that you would like to see out of them in this sort of a setting is you want them to play a clean game that allows them to try to sprinkle some guys in that are younger. I don't think you're going to get to a point where you have a like four touchdown lead in the third quarter and the whole second team comes in. But ideally what you can do is have enough of a margin where guys can start sprinkling in there, where you can put in a um, maybe a uh, Caleb Coley if he's healthy this game or, or Malik Spencer, um, even if the rest of the DBs are healthy. Like, Guys where you put in spot duty that you haven't been able to much this year. Um, and in order to do that, you're going to have to obviously have no turnovers. You're going to have to play clean football. Yep. Ideally, no special teams mistakes. Again, it's been rough with Hank Pepper out and the kicker, kicking situation unclear. Um, both issues happening at the same time have, have been trouble. But I guess, Shane, is there anything else you're looking forward in this Rutgers game that, that might allow some comfort going late into the fourth quarter, third quarter? Yeah, I mean, it, I'll be diplomatic about it. Um, let's see, how do I word this? Rutgers offense has had their challenges this year, mm. Justin. That was a very nice, mature way of yeah. saying that, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, look, 29% third down completion for Rutgers. Uh, they have the third worst red zone touchdown rate in the conference. And also, plays that go 10-plus yards, fifth worst, not the Big Ten, in the whole country. In the whole country. They just don't. The offense is really sputtering, and then the new quarterback they've introduced. Gavin, Gavin Wimsat. Wimsat. 43% completion percentage mm. the last two games. If you're not a big stat person, let me just tell you, uh-oh, <laughs> not not too inspiring. So the defense, yes, of course. Yeah. Suspensions, injuries, they got a lot going against them. But this is an offense where you can probably limit the damage they yeah. do. I'm going to 
knock on wood really yeah. quick before going any further. But yeah, that's going to be an inspiring list of stats there for Spartan fans going into I this agree. Game. And I think when you look at the fact that Michigan State's defense has played better each week and also the fact that Scotty Hazleton has gotten more comfortable um, sending some pressures because guys like Slade and Barrow and these guys are back. I guess we'll see about Slade because he never returned. But mm -hmm. you have some of these interior defensive linemen back that when they were gone, when Barrow was gone and, and when Slade was gone and, and Hanson and some of these guys were gone, the blitzes weren't getting through with the edge rushers or the interior. Suddenly, with the better defensive tackles on the field, you're starting to see some interior pressure with when you couple with blitzing, guys like Brule, guys um, even from the nickel spot sometimes. They're starting to find some formulas that work with creativity that if Scotty would have called those like four weeks ago, and you had your free safety on the other tight end against the Minnesota um, wide receivers in the slot or against the tight end, the, the free safety was getting dusted and, and no blitz was going to get home in one second. So you're able to see him do different things now as they're playing a weaker opponent. Um, so I think that should all spell for Michigan State, hopefully having a, at least a two-score lead and heading into the middle to late third quarter range. And then hopefully in the fourth quarter, you can see patchwork guys coming in here and there, even if they never get a whole second team in there. But I think that's really all there is to talk about when it comes to the Rutgers game. Michigan State has an opportunity, and if you're a Spartan fan, you would hope that they are going to go ahead and take advantage of it. A couple names to keep on um, in the forefront of your mind against Rutgers. You're looking at safety Christian Izian, 64 tackles, for him, five forced fumbles. Yeah, that's, that's five big hitter. Jacoby yeah. Winman kind of numbers yeah. there. Um, cornerback Avery Young, 51 tackles, three pass breakups. Aaron Kirkshank, he's kind of their gadget receiver that is the do it all kind of um, workhorse for their offense. 317 yards, two touchdowns, 34 receptions there. Bang. <clears throat> I mean, look, I. You can't put the cart in front of the horse, right? You got to win two games for the bowl game. I know I'm talking like, hey, six wins is a guarantee. But like, again, this is a defense that does have injury issues. They do have other things going on as well. But man, oh man, it's just really hard not to get excited because if you could have two Big Ten East teams on your schedule at home the next two weeks, not to be disrespectful, but it's Rutgers and in Indiana. Yeah. Like it's it's them. So it's it's put up or shut up time, yeah. and the, the the road is right there. Yeah. You have all the tools to do it. You just got to pave it. So. The, the opportunity here, if you start to look at, obviously, like you are saying, you can't put the cart before the horse. But if you're one of those people that you want to look at the worst-case scenario, sure, they could fizz out. They could miss a mm -hmm. bowl game. If you equally want to acknowledge the best-case scenario, you have an opportunity here to win four games in a row, um, including the Illinois game. And then I think they can beat Rutgers in Indiana. Mm -hmm. Penn State will be a tough task, yep. but it's not impossible. You have then put yourself in a position to win four games in a row, go into a bowl game, and be an eight-win football team. And if you would have said that was even a blueprint after the first, um, let's say, month and a half, Please. Nobody, would have, nobody would have believed you. Please. And then you look at recruiting in December with some slots available in the class, and you already have a basis of, of a record eight four-star commits, and you're working on some big fish, you have a chance to have a very different narrative around your football program here in the coming weeks. They just have to go out every single Saturday and do all they can to stack up some W's, and then the opportunity is there to really change the narrative. It's all about momentum, and uh, yep. what better way to start momentum in November than road win against the top 25 team. That's right. Chase with two home wins, and then put it in God's hands after that. There we go. Yeah. Baby. And go. speaking of some good news in the recent days, Michigan State beat Northern Arizona on the hardwood. Um, very, very impressive win against a really tough of, mm, uh, no, can't spin powerhouse. that Powerhouse. Say it. <laughs> they, Say it. They, Say the P word. It's, Lumberjacks uh, are a powerhouse. Come on. It's, uh, it's a win that Michigan State uh, obviously needed, and they played as you would expect them to. I don't think they covered, but I think at no point was, was it a nervous sort of it a great. experience. Yeah, it was, it was uh, awesome. one of the more... Oh. You probably only were sweating for about 50% of the game instead of your usual 110%. It was very bizarre. Yeah, like yeah. I, I, like my shoulders were dropped for the second half. I wow. wasn't like watching the game like this, like yeah. an insane person. Like I blown in a padded room. It was like, hey, <laughs> the, the boys are going to be okay. Yeah, this yeah. this cone guy keeps, you know, dropping points <laughs> on Michigan State. But everywhere else, yeah. things, things seem to be going pretty good. And yeah. even the cone thing, like... Not necessarily upset about it. Again, he had, what was it, I think, 20 points on 19 shots or something like that. Yeah. Like, okay, the kid's a really good player. Right. He was at Virginia Tech for a year before he saw – I actually read this in a story. It was, uh, oh, God, the Oral Roberts point guard, Abums, I think his name was. 
he saw him play, saw how much usage he got at a mid-major. So he transferred to mid-major, being like, mm. I want to be that guy. Well, you get oh, 19. Max Acemas are we talking Acemas, about? Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Got it. March Madness legend. Butcher that name yeah. to oblivion. But yeah. <laughs> That's how it's spelled, I believe. You, you said it how it's spelled. I'm back on the board. Okay. <laughs> Not a total loss. But yeah, yeah. like Zach Cohn, like I know that a few people want to be like, oh, their point guard blitzed us. 19 shots. Yeah, right. that's going to happen. The kid's a really good player. But, yeah. no, I, it was a delightful game. Drama-free. It's great. Like, just watching the game with a smile on my face for yeah. the second half. No, it was awesome. And a lot of, lot of great, um, you know, points that we saw in the game, too, from a lot of different players. Yeah. Uh, where, where do you want to start? Because we, we can name any player and just I, talk about I it think, I think one thing is that Michigan State was never in danger of losing that game and were comfortably ahead, despite the point guards kind of just sitting back and, yeah. and, and letting the – uh, rest of the action unfold. Like you didn't have AJ Hogarth going over here, taking the ball to the basket, putting up a strong 14 points and carrying the team. Mm-hmm. Like AJ was just let me pass the ball, let me make sure other guys make plays, let me relax, and they still went ahead and, and went and won a won a game handily. Um, and then I guess Pierre Steph Curry Brooks is one of the other sort of observations that that I had in the game. Guy couldn't miss, so I think he needs to keep working on his conditioning and continuing to be able to mold his body so he can guard some more athletic guys. But so far, the trajectory is very promising for his career. Yep. He's going to have a chance this year to make some plays. Um, I think uh, Joey Hauser comes in looking exactly how Izzo described when he said, I think now we got the Marquette Joey Hauser finally. He looks slimmer, more confident. What are some things that stuck out to you, Matt? So there's one stat in the box score that I really had circled about Joey Hauser's game, and it's not, you know, any of the points or the rebounds he had in his double-double. It was the number eight because that's how many three-point shots he took. Mm. You know how many games last year he took at least six three-point attempts. Do you know how many games last year in the whole season he had at least six attempts from I feel three? like the answer is either two or zero. It's one. Oh, a fantastic guess. And it was against Davidson. That's right. Mm. Had a pretty good game against Davidson. Yeah, now what? look, are we expecting four of eight shooting from him every single game? Am I saying that he should be jacking eight threes up a game? Not necessarily, no. But Maybe. The, I'm not opposed maybe. to that. Who's this? I, you know what? Let's just give it a shot. Just keep on doing it until it stops working. Yeah. But like the fact that he has the confidence this right. early in the season to take eight shots from three, yeah. I could have started crying. I was yeah. like, I feel so good for this kid because, I mean, look, it wasn't just that the shot wasn't really falling last year, but there were some points early last season when confidence was wavering. Yes. He's passing up these shots. Yeah. But no, it was the green light special on yeah. Monday night. So, yes, I mean, there, there were two Joy Housers we saw last year. There's early season Joey Hauser, late season Joey Hauser, especially with the Davidson game added in. I, look, are we expecting 27 points from every single night like that Davidson game? No, but it was very nice to see him start that confidently. Yeah, and just what I, Izzo said. Just absolutely. That. Yeah. I, I think I think if you ask me what I want to see out of Joey Hauser, it shoots so much that eventually coach has to tell you to shoot a little less. I don't hate that. And then when that. you have a confident Hauser in that nature. You also see him playing a little better on defense, too. Yep. And the offense um, kind of has some more spacing when they have to step all the way out and, and guard him. And speaking of shooting a lot of shots, the fact I think you brought this up while we were watching the game live. Aikens had some of the highest uh, volume in oh, that yeah. game, and the dude was on a pitch count. So oh, yeah. that's awesome to see. Dude's on a pitch count. He goes into halftime with seven shot attempts. That was the most of any <laughs> Spartan. Now, did they all fall? No, but am I going to beat the kid up for yeah. you know his first game action of the year off a of foot surgery? Absolutely not. Yeah. Please, because yeah. one, I'm I'm somewhat sane, contrary to popular belief. Like I, you know, try to keep it cool. Number two, I'm the conductor of the Jaden Aikens hype train, baby. Right. So yeah, uh, my boy cannot slander him. No, it was awesome to see him play. And really, if I didn't know anything going into that game, I would have thought. Yeah, he's just he's he's normal. Like he, yeah. he looks himself. Oh, he looks so, <laughs> so healthy. Yeah. yeah, it's nice. Yeah, I, I think as someone that watched uh, a lot of Ben Simmons basketball here the last few years, Ooh. I will never slander anybody for missing shots. I will only slander them for not taking them. And um, I think I think if you can get a very aggressive Aikens, an aggressive Hauser, and an aggressive Tyson Walker, this team is going to win some games they're not supposed to because they're going to make some threes that they were not making last year. And when you have a point guard that can get those guys the ball when they're hot, I think there is some opportunity here for them to get hot at right moments. Ideally, I guess you would hope that happens in March Madness and these guys hit a lot of threes and and win some games they're not supposed to. But even just maybe in the middle of January, they pull off a couple wins against some good teams. They get a higher seed in March than you're expecting. And 
I think they, this team has a very high ceiling and a very low floor, depending mm-hmm. on a game-by-game basis how the shots are going in. But they have quite a few guys that can make them. Now the question is, do you have quite a few guys that will continue to take them? And I hope the, the answer is yes. Um, this, this upcoming week... Michigan State takes on Gonzaga on the aircraft carrier. They do. Um, they have an opportunity there to play one of the best teams in the country. Um, they have um, a chance to showcase themselves in front of a national audience, as they will several times this year with their tough schedule. They're going to play a team that has a lot of guys that are that are highly recruited. Even some guys on on the bench these days, like Hunter Salas, who was a five star point guard last year, because they got Nolan Hickman, five star point guard this year coming in. You have Rasir Bolton, who's the former Penn State transfer that went to Iowa State that that is now at Gonzaga. Um, just um, a lot of talent. You got Julian Strother, who's on on the bench coming in. Just obviously you got Drew Timmy. But like, yeah. what what do you see when you look at Gonzaga, Matt? I see a team with not a lot of holes. That, that's for sure. Um, right. I know I'm not stating the, uh, you know, I, I'm not stating any surprises right now. They are number two in the country for the right reason. They they play perimeter defense really good. They have a high tempo offense, and that that does scare me for this game. They had their opener against North Florida um, Monday night, just like Michigan State did as well. Went into halftime up 53 to whatever North Florida has. I don't really care how many points they had. The point I'm trying to make is. 53 first-half points for Gonzaga. Three of those came on one three-pointer. 50 of them came inside Yikes. the arc. So it's like, oh, great. So They got all the scoring. <laughs> they got all the scoring done on fast breaks inside the paint. So in a game like this, on the aircraft carrier, outdoor elements, the forecast when I checked this morning in San Diego on Friday, it's going to be clear, you know, low mm. 60s, but 8-mile-an-hour wind. That's nothing like what we saw in Illinois, you know, last weekend with football. But still, you shoot a ball in eight mile an hour wind. Uh, hey, you know, basketball is a game of inches. Yeah. Have you heard that about any other sport ever? But no, really, like that, that could make an impact from outside shooting. That's a great point. Gonzaga blitzes teams in the inside, in the paint, on fast breaks. So that's going to make it additionally tough for Michigan State as well. So, like, my mindset going in here is, if Michigan State loses, you know, hey. Yeah, Great game, great right. exposure, great experience for these student athletes to be around military, be around their families, see the ultimate sacrifice they make, be around some of the greatest people this country has to offer. Over a weekend, Veterans Day, very underappreciated day on this nation's calendar. Just that's what it's all about, just how great of an experience this is. But if they win? But if they win, Justin. <laughs> but if they win this game, Justin. This is the biggest deal in the world. We will be celebrating this. We will be screaming this from the mountaintops. And we will be booking tickets to the Final Four at the end of this one. So, yeah. <laughs> Going into this game with the right mindset. They lose. Oh, okay. Hey, gimmicky game. You know, do it for the troops. But if they win. <laughs> oh, yeah. you think I'm annoying now? Oh, <laughs> Get ready. Get ready. I think um, that's a great point you had, <clears throat> especially with the stat of Gonzaga doesn't rely on threes, as you just pointed out against North Florida. Not really. <laughs> and if the wind is blowing, um, and Michigan State's a team where I was just saying how they have a very high flow when the threes are going I in. I know. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. And, and for me, I, I just my jaw drops when you start talking about wind and shooting outside because I'm the type of guy that if you're outside, I'm just not making a shot. Because I'm just always blaming the I'm blaming the wind when I'm playing indoor basketball. Oh, amen. Yeah, someone opened yeah. the door. There's a draft in there somewhere. Exactly, yeah. But, like, I also go back to the game that was 11 years ago. I almost had a crisis when I saw this, the MSU North Carolina carrier game right. with Obama in attendance. Yeah. 11. I thought it was, like, four years ago. Yeah. Michigan State, 2 of 20 from three-point land in that game. North Carolina, 3 of 12 from three-point land in that game. It was a beautiful game, awesome pictures. But the actual game of basketball itself was hideous horrendous but the way that Gonzaga plays like honestly if I'm Gonzaga I'm trying to play all my games outside this year I'm trying to play every (laughs) single game outdoors but they'll be fine they're gonna be playing in Evanston every single week on (laughs) Navy Pier hopefully hopefully they're gonna have the same win that CJ Stroud had they're gonna have the the Ferris wheel going on full blast (laughs) and they're just gonna try to have every single shot go I know it's gonna be a tough game too but you know there there is one redeeming quality I was talking with Andy Patton he hosts Locked on College Basketball also Locked on Zag so he really knows Gonzaga inside and out he says that one whole day Locked on guys know. You know, I'm, just, I'm trying to be a company man, shill for as many locked on products as I can here. But he said that one thing that he's a little worried about is, hey, Drew Timmy, awesome player on the inside. And yes, Gonzaga is littered with awesome talent, but not really like any physical post 
presence. Mm. They've Efton Reed, he's a transfer, yep. fouled out in 12 minutes in their first game against North Florida. Mm. He's really the only physically imposing guy they have. But with that said, it's not like Michigan State is littered with front court talent right. as well. But maybe this is the time they showcase. Yeah. It. Maybe that little over the right shoulder four foot jumper from Mighty Sissoko yeah. is a thing this year. Yeah. This is a lot to ask for from a true freshman. Even if he was an All American freshman, Jackson Kohler, maybe this is a game where he gets some damage done. Yeah. But, uh, yeah if it's it, not it a team be. that has a physical impo- imposition, yeah. why not? Yeah. Slash to the lane, get to the hoop. I mean, AJ Hogarth, if he can get past that, I mean, ways you're said than done, that steel <laughs> trap perimeter defense against yeah. Gonzaga, hey, when he gets to the hoop, <laughs> guy's pretty good. So. I think the best expectation for Michigan State coming out of this non-conference schedule is winning some of those games where you get to play a Villanova team that might not have Cam Whitmore, who's dealing with a foot injury, I believe, where you're playing an Alabama team that's not a top-10 team, and then you just look competitive against Gonzaga. Um, If you beat Gonzaga, then really it kind of redefines the expectations, and then I take back most of what I'm saying. But I think right now being competitive in that game, being competitive in the Champions Classic, and then then winning some of the more winnable non-conference games like Alabama and um, Villanova, and I think that's where you can probably say that was a, a solid outcome to the slate. Matt, what about you? Yeah, like I don't want to say like two wins, like because I got five right in front of me. I got the Gonzaga game, Kentucky, Nova, yeah. Bama, Notre Dame. Like I don't want to say like two. Oh, two, yeah. two or three just doesn't sound good rolling off the tongue, does it? Right. Like, yeah, yeah. But then, it, like, that is a tough murderer's row of teams. Right. Now, one thing that I will point out, I was on Bart Torvik earlier today. When mm. I did, like I beat the hell out of this website yeah. when the winter comes Pure basketball around. knowledge. It's, it's my homepage. <laughs> Their expected spread for the Kentucky game yeah. it is only Kentucky by two. Mm. Like, th- that is a game that's going to be a lot closer to the computers than it may be to, like, uh, me or you, or maybe you watching at home because, well, yeah, guy by the name of Oscar Sheepway yep. might be ready to play that game. Or I might not. I, I know. I'm kind of starting to think that, that he might not because oh, every time you hear Coach Cal talk about an update... It's not what he promised, not promised, but it's not what he kind of alluded to would be happening when he last spoke. Like, he would say, oh, I think he'll be good in a week. And then fast forward a week, and, oh, he's progressing. Fast forward another three or four days. He is, should be is, is practicing he, soon. Is he doing a Kevin Willard, though? You mm, know, maybe. Because like, I'm just forever, forever scarred by Miles that. Powell went off. He just dropped another three-pointer on Michigan yeah. State when you just said that from, sentence. From 30 yeah. feet away. He said that Miles Powell is getting a bone saw to his ankle. He will never <laughs> walk again the rest of his life. And then within 12 hours, he's just lighting up Michigan yeah. State. It's like, so no, I I know this happened, I think, three years ago now at this point. I think it was 2019 when that yeah. happened. Uh, like, that's going to take 10 more years for me to get over. Even though MSU won that game. It was the Malik yeah. Hall game. They, they won that game. But I just can't take any basketball coach seriously after <laughs> Kevin Willard pulled that stunt. Like, uh, I, guys, quite frankly, I don't know if Miles is going to make it. it he, we might be putting him out the pasture. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't know. This could be it for him. We just had a priest in to read his last rites. And then, like, oh, great. He's, yeah. he's playing 30 minutes a game. and Yeah. Yeah, no. So I don't trust anything Went from Cal says. rewriting his will and testament to rewriting the history books <laughs> just in a span of 30 minutes. But I, uh, our last... Last topic before we get to Owens 360. Um, sticking with basketball here, Michigan State today Big signed day. a historic, historic recruiting historic. class. God, I love these kids. And uh, you see right there a picture of the class part two. I think that's what the streets are calling it. Um, you are looking at five-star Xavier Booker. You're looking at three four-stars then in um, Cohen Carr and Garrick Normand. And the floor general, Jeremy Fears. Um, I guess kind of the first thing that you think about when when this class comes to mind, um, I guess for me at least, the first thing I think of is how all of these kids fit together like a puzzle. Yes. It's not any sort of overlap in qualities uh, out of any of these. It's you have the ball distributing floor general at the point guard, who's the leader, who's the recruiting heart and soul of this class. He's the one that deserves as much credit as the staff in getting Xavier Booker. Yep. He would he would hit him up every day in a group chat that he had. Um, so you, you got the leader, you got the natural, the ball distributor right there. Then you have Garrick Norman, who's small forward, um, shooting guard, based interchangeable positions these days. But he's a knockdown shooter that has a little more physicality that he's given credit for. He can guard the two or the three. Then you have Cohen Carr, who can guard the three or the four. 
Um, probably one of the most athletic guys Coach Izzo has ever landed. Can jump out of the gym. He's a hard-nosed defender. Probably needs to work on his dribbling and his shooting a little bit, but he's going to be able to come in right away and play because of his defense and his athleticism and rebounding. Then you have Xavier Booker. I think he's a little more raw than people might think when they just look at the fact that he's Izzo's mm-hmm. highest-ranked commit ever. Because um, if he was in Jaron Jackson's class, I believe he would have been behind where Jaron was. Um, but that's kind of a mold. Um, Jaron was ahead defensively, but I think Xavier might be ahead with a shooting stroke compared to Jaron. So I, I hope people don't have crazy high expectations and then berate him if he's not coming in averaging 20 and 10. But the kid is ranked that high for a reason, oozing with potential. Yep. He's going to play in the NBA most likely. So that's my rundown of what they're getting pieces-wise. Matt, what do you think of when you think of this class? Couldn't have said it any better myself, top to bottom. But overall, dogs. D-A-W-G-S. These guys are all... Dogs. I, Booker, look, just physically imposing, right? Six foot ten, seven foot two wingspan. Okay, like his, his physicality screams. Uh oh, if you're yeah. going up against him. Jeremy Fears, like you said, I mean, just what a leader off the court, too, even before he's even taken a dribble in East Lansing, recruiting this class. <laughs> Cohen Carr looks like he wants to murder every single basketball rim that he plays on. Like, yeah. if you have not seen a highlight tape of this kid, Go treat yourself to a YouTube search of Cohen Card. This man is absolutely positively vicious. And also Garrick Norman, too. I mean, you know what, you know what I love about his game, actually? He, like, he, A, it's, it's the laziest comparison to make to compare him to Matt McQuaid because, oh, yeah, they're both shooting forwards from Texas. Yeah. Like, they are carbon copies of one another. What would I like about Garrick, too? Yeah. He's a little chippy on the yeah. court. He's a little chippy on the court. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He's got a little bit of arrogance to him. Yeah. But, hey, when you play as good as Garrick Norman does, yep. I love that arrogance. He can also jump out the gym, it looks like. The, all, all four of these guys are incredible. And also, a fun little stat, too, that I dug up before getting into the studio. This is four top 75 rated commits per 24-7 sports. Yep. The Big Ten as a whole has 12 has 12 top 75 rated commits. Michigan State has four of them. They have 33% of those kids. So, yes, what a recruiting class. Yeah. This gives you a big leg up. Nationally, it doesn't hurt to have the number three rated class, but also just in your own conference. Right. Whew. That is a nice haul for Tom Izzo. Yeah. Who I thought he, w- I thought his recruiting chops were dead. Justin, were, were those exaggerated? I was think, that not true? I think the rumors of his demise were, hmm. were greatly exaggerated. Hmm. I think um, he has shown that not only in, not only in 2023, 24, but 25, 26. I think there's there's a window here. And Owen, oh, do you want to put up the uh, the graphic there? I think uh, I tweeted this out earlier today, kind of a spreadsheet looking rough thing I did uh, while I was supposed to be working. Um, we're looking at um, what Michigan State has down the road here. Oh, you're good. But yeah, it, so it's basically just my last tweet on Twitter right now. It's um, what Michigan State's starting lineup and, and their depth could look like in 2023-24. You have a senior A.J. Hogard back. You have, um, um, you have obviously Trey Holloman then as a sophomore. Those are kind of your guards that are returning. Then you add Jeremy Fierce to the mix. You have a lot of athleticism and defensive prowess in, in the guard spots. Jaden Akins, obviously, as well. And this is with Tyson Walker. We're assuming not using his COVID year. Um, he might. He could, though. Yeah, he could. <laughs> he could. He has yeah. – um, I think he spent a year of doing post-grad um, a- a- after high school, so he might be a little older. So I don't know. We'll see. But we have um, some interesting options all over the court. Then you look at Cohen Carr being able to guard multiple positions. You have Garrick that could guard the two or the three. You have Pierre Brooks, who's going to be even better by then. At the four, it's if Malik Carr doesn't come back. You have um, Hall. You have you have Booker actually that yeah. can play. Oh yeah, Hall. Sorry, yeah. Um, A lot of cars going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you have um, uh, that's where I think Xavier Booker would play, just because I don't know if Jackson Kohler or Madi Sizoko can't, but I don't know if those guys can guard the four. Gotcha. So if you're going to put labels and designations on it, I think Booker would be guarding the opposing four. And then at center, you have three guys that are coming back. That You're going to have Madi, you're going to have Jackson, you're going to have Cooper, all those guys that have potential that are going to be older. You just have a very complete roster. And each of these new guys, not only do they fit like a puzzle amongst themselves, but also with the returning players. Um, and then my last thought on just the recruiting class here, you are going to be really impressed if you start diving deep into the way this class was brought together. You have somebody like um, 
Cohen Carr and actually like Garrick Norman where they didn't even have offers until they visited and they committed to Michigan State within a week of visiting. Then on the other side, you have someone like Xavier Booker where you had to recruit him for 11 months from the day he was offered to land him against Blue Bloods. Jeremy Fears, kind of closer towards Xavier Booker's recruitment with the length, maybe not as many Blue Bloods, but you have all these different blueprints and formulas of the way these recruitments went and Izzo landed all of them in a different way, but the central theme was the family feel that people felt in the program. I'm going to have an article dropping tomorrow with quotes from Gary Norman's mom, Xavier Booker's uh, trainers and coaches. It kind of takes you behind the scenes of how Izzo landed these guys and just looks at the class out as a whole. It's going to be a free article on 24-7. I was going to publish it with The Athletic, but I kind of wanted it to be free. I wanted everyone to kind of get a peek into what Izzo was able to do here and his assistant. So... That's all for me. Matt, any more thoughts on the recruiting class? Man of the people. No, I was just laughing when you were talking about Booker guarding the four. Like, imagine you're <laughs> a four in the Big Ten. You're yeah. excited. Hey, I'm excited to play Michigan State. <laughs> and then, oh, great, this six-foot-ten guy <laughs> with a seven-foot-two seven wingspan's yeah. marking me the entire game. Awesome. Yeah. I might as well just go back in the box. Sick. <laughs> cool. Thanks. Thanks, yeah. guys. Well, yeah. that, that's a good way to encapsulate kind of the talent Michigan State will have here. And then, We'll send it over to Owen to to tell us what's happening around the, the legend. around the East Lansing streets. Great stuff, Owen. <clears throat> you got all the teams across campus covered. It's great to get that update at the end of every show. Owen's the best. Yeah, just the best. Yep, great producer. And um, that does it for this week's episode of the SD4L show. It's uh, great to be joined by the legendary Matt Sheehan of Locked On Spartans. Go listen to him there. Go follow him on Twitter. One of the best Twitter accounts Done. out there. And um, yeah, he did. I saw that new picture. You never posted on Instagram, did you? No, (sighs) no, I didn't. I'll send you some little baby captions and then. Could you? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Okay, thank you. Yeah, or anyone that you and Xavier were talking about would be awesome. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We'll get you hip for sure. (laughs) And uh, that does it for this week's episode of the SD4L show. That's Matt Shin. I'm Justin Thin. Our producer Owen Ozus. Thanks, guys, for joining, and we'll be back. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Set summer in motion with the most adventurous Honda vehicles yet, like the Passport and Pilot Trail Sport and the Ridgeline, built for better off-road performance and engineered for more adventure. Summer's here. For a limited time, well-qualified buyers can get a 3.9% APR on a 2023 Honda Pilot, a 2.9% APR on a 2023 Passport, and a 0.9% APR on a 2023 Ridgeline. Buy online, reserve from select dealers, or visit your local Honda dealer today. See dealer for financing details.